<clears throat> okay, we've been doing a series on the call of God and various calls of God. We took the universal call as God said to Adam, where are you? That's a universal call to humankind. A uh, call to come home, to go to heaven. A call of Elijah who was depressed and God calls him in his depression call of Elisha to serve. Now we come to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6 for our text today. God makes claims on people's lives and he calls them with certain things he wants them to do. And it's not the same for everybody. Uh, but here's a very unusual call, a very powerful experience uh, that made it happen. So uh, chapter 6 of Isaiah and <clears throat> this passage I could talk about these pa this passage for days there's literally hundreds of sermons here in this passage so I got to cheat a little because I haven't got days I got 25 minutes uh, so I got to skip over a few things which pains me, but we'll get to it because we want to get to the call of God to Isaiah and what was that call. Chapter 6, verse 1, In the year the king Isaiah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. King Isaiah had been a very, very good king, uh, but right at the end, he kind of made a bad mistake. He said, I'm going into the temple and do what the priests do. So he came in and they said, you can't. You're not a priest. You can't, you're not allowed to do that. He said, I'm the king. I do whatever I want. And he went in to get the incense to take it into the altar of incense. And God struck him with leprosy. And so he dies a leper uh, because of his insubordination. It's a very disappointing thing. For Isaiah. And so he says, when something really sad happened, this good king right at the end turned bad and he died of, of leprosy. That year when I was feeling down, I saw the Lord sitting up in his throne and his train filled the temple too. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. Twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. As far as we know, there's four live humans that had that vision. Four of them that got to look into heaven. We know uh, Isaiah does here, Ezekiel looks up and sees this. Uh, John the Revelator, who wrote Revelation, saw the same thing. And, and then there's a fellow named Micaiah, uh, who you never heard of, and he saw into heaven too. Uh, but uh, we see these, th this particular view into heaven. God's on a throne, and the angels are hovering around saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Why don't they say powerful, powerful, powerful? Isn't he? Sure he is. Sure he is. Why don't they say uh, uh, all-knowing, all-knowing, all-knowing is the Lord of hosts. But they say holy is the Lord of hosts because 
Uh, it is the sum of all that God is. And everything, when you put it together, uh, you say, what's the most striking attribute of God when you get to see him? You walk in there and they're saying, holy, holy. That is pure, without sin, perfect, holy. And that's what they're uh, saying, these angels that are hovering. Verse 4, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Wow. Now, I used to have a louder voice, <laughs> and uh, I used to have a voice like Levi. Him and I could have competed easy, all right. But not anymore. He's got the bigger voice. But if I yelled loud as I could and him too, we couldn't move that doorpost. So we go push on it. Can't move it if we push on it. And here, with the sound of a voice, the posts move. What does that tell you? The, the gates of heaven are called everlasting gates. They're not little toys. They're unbelievable. And God can move them with his voice. Right. So it's a very powerful voice. And so he looks, goes from a sad world. Suddenly he looks right into heaven. And there's God on the throne. These angels say, holy, holy, holy. And the, door, and, and the, the whole place shakes. And it's filled with smoke. Verse 5. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and dwelled in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And that is an amazing, amazing comment. <clears throat> Come in before God and he doesn't say, whoa, this is great. I love it. He says, woe is me. Woe is me. I'm in bad, bad shape. I'm standing here in front of this holy God and I got to see him. And all I can think is, is I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. That's my impression. That's often been people's impression when they come face to face with God. You remember uh, Jesus uh, speaks to the storm in a boat and he says, peace be still. And all of a sudden the whole storm just stops. And Peter says, what? Leave me. Depart from me. I'm a sinner. I feel like a real sinner in your presence. And there is why this passage has such power, I think, is because I don't know how to make people do that. I can't make people do that. I wish I could. I wish I could. I've known a lot of preachers that have tried to make people feel like a sinner. I don't think they were successful at it. Uh, evangelists, 
some of the traveling evangelists that I met in my life uh, used to tell stories to shock the audience, trying to shock the audience. And one guy, I liked him a lot. I had him at my house for dinner, asked him lots of questions, and he gave good answers. <clears throat> but I remember him preaching, and he said, uh, he was preaching, and he said, this guy was driving a truck, and he got in an accident. His truck was on fire, and he's screaming behind the wheel, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. Oh, kind of story that. And so he's trying to tell people that uh, death is something you got to deal with. And there's a time, I'm not sure what he's trying to do. He's trying to scare people. And I don't know how to scare anybody. <laughs> I don't know how to get people to say, I'm a sinner. I don't know how to do it. Here, one look at God, and he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, of all the things I think Isaiah would have said, I never would have thought he would have said that. He is, he's much better than Shakespeare. Okay? People say, well, Shakespeare is one of the great poets of all time. <laughs> Shakespeare is nothing compared to Isaiah. You start in chapter 40 of Isaiah and you'll find one stunning phrase after another, after another, after another. Every chapter has got these stunning phrases in. And when uh, Handel wrote his Messiah, the Messiah that we listen to at Christmas time or whenever we want to, uh, we listen to the Messiah. And where's it from? It's from Isaiah. They picked the best poetry out of the Bible and put it in the Messiah. And, and song after song comes right from Isaiah. So here's a man with a silver tongue. He can say it like nobody else. And he gets up in front of God and what does he say? I got, I got a dirty mouth. I got a dirty mouth. And it's from living with people who also have a dirty mouth. Man, you never would have thought that. You never would have thought that. And that's the first thing he says. Why do you think it is? Because when he looks up to heaven, what's happening? He's hearing voices. He's hearing these angels uh, hovering over the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. And then God himself speaks and the whole place shakes. And then he says, now listen to my little voice. <gasps> I don't dare say anything because I just can't. I can't talk like that. So he comes with the recognition that he's a sinner. I'm a sinner. And he says it right out loud. And it's the thing that nobody would ever have accused him. He accuses himself. And that's really good. When you and I know we're a sinner, and where did you come from? It came out of your own heart. When you know you're a sinner, that's when it works. Because it's God in there that said, hey, you know, this is who you are. You were born this way. 
You are this way. It's your nature to sin. This is who you are. And so what are you going to do? Woe is me. I am undone. Or that is, I don't know what to do. Verse 6. Like I said, i got to keep going. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from off the altar. That's a hot coal. He laid it on my mouth, said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And so, it's a symbolic thing. What's the altar? Well, it's a place where they sacrifice for sin. And the great altar for you and I is, of course, the cross of Christ. That's our altar. That's where our sacrifice was. So Jesus gave out forgiveness. And so from the altar, the angel takes a hot coal symbolizing the purity that will come from Christ, puts it on his lips and says, we've forgiven you. Your sin is purged. So I got to do something about my sin. I'm just overwhelmed with it now. I don't even want to talk. I'm afraid I'll say something bad. Now, listen to this. Verse 8. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And he said, I, here am I, send me. Here am I. Who shall go for me? I'm going to send something. So it's the call of God to speak. And God is saying, I'm looking for somebody to do something for me. I gotta send somebody. And Isaiah says, I want let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. I wanna do whatever it is you want done. And uh, he says, okay. Uh, so here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> I want you to speak. So God calls some people to speak. And it's a very uh, serious call. I think everybody has some call to speak up for God. And everybody has some call that when the time comes and the conversation comes that you speak up for God. But this is a little different. I want you to go and preach. I want you to talk the things and say what I want you to say. So it's a call to speak for God. And it's a very serious call. If you ask me when did you get the call... I would say, I don't really know. I'm not sure. But I did have one thing happen to me uh, that I was unexplainable. <clears throat> Before I was teaching anywhere, I was going to a church in Albion, and we had a camp out outside, and they did a lot of things like that. And uh, they were showing a movie. And it was outside screen, had a movie outside, and it was Billy Graham movie. And all of a sudden, Billy Graham come on, on the screen and he was preaching. And something came over me that I can't explain anything about it. 
And I leaned over to my wife and I said to her, I'm going to do that someday. She said, what are you talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about. And as far as I know, I'm never going to do that. But I just had the feeling I'm going to do that. And that's really, I don't know whether that was the first call or not. Who knows? Because when I try to trace what God does, I always find he's been back there working somewhere else. And so uh, was it when my mother said, here, learn this verse? <laughs> Here's a hundred of them. Learn all hundred of them. I don't know. I don't know when it all started, when everything came together, but I know I had an experience once, and there's Billy Graham, what was a young Billy Graham, preaching, and boy, he could really preach sometimes. And uh, I just said to my wife, I leaned over, I'm going to do that. So I don't know. Uh, but the call to speak is a serious call. It means you're going to step up and do it. And Isaiah says, I'm going to step up so First thing, you admit you're a sinner, and that's really a part of it. And the second thing is you've got to be willing. The first time I had to speak, uh, one of my good friends I'd known for years came up to me and he said, you're going to start teaching Sunday school. I said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. You're starting in a, you know, two weeks. So get ready. So I read a whole book, and I got one lesson out of that book. <laughs> I thought to myself, man, I'm going to be reading a lot of books <laughs> to get all these lessons. <laughs> Eventually, I got the sense of it a little better. But uh, that's the first time I spoke was at a Sunday school class, just like we're having here. And, uh, uh, and it just went on from there. <clears throat> God asks you to speak. And he says, I need somebody. Who's gonna, who am I going to send? He doesn't say, hey, Isaiah, can I send you? Right? He says, who will I send? Isaiah, me. I want to be the one. Let me do it. Uh, he just, remember, got his mouth clean. Right? He just got his mouth clean. And he thinks, maybe I can talk now. Well, he certainly could. So, let's see what the job is that he wants him to do. Verse 10. <clears throat> Verse 9, I said. He said, go tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. Let's say, see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. I don't want that job. I don't want that job. He says, no, here's, here's, you want to go speak for me. So here's what I want you to get used to this idea. They are not going to hear you. They are not going to listen. They are not going to understand or even pay any attention to you. So you wanted the job? You got it. Go give it to them. Oh, man. I didn't know it was going to be like that. So verse 11, I said, Lord, how long? Is it always going to be like this? He said, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord hath removed men far away, there'd be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. So, 
Isaiah's all excited. Hey, he cleaned my dirty mouth. And I really want to use it now. And God says, I'm looking for somebody. Me, send me, send me. What do you want me to do? I want you to go out and preach to people who will ignore you, will hate what you say, refuse to hear you, shut their eyes, make sure that they never understand because I don't want them to change and be healed. So how do you like that job? How long is it going to last? Until the cities are empty and the land is desolate and everybody's gone. Wow. So, uh, when you're going to speak, and God's going to call you to speak, you've got to deal with first the fact that I'm a sinner. I'm going to speak for God. I'm willing to do that. But you must understand that there's a lot of people that don't want to hear what you got to say. And you're never going to get through to them. Can't get through to them. And for some people, that's more than they can handle. They don't want the job anymore. And it's true that there are plenty of people that I've met who don't believe me any more than they believe Joe Schmoll down the road. Don't believe me. Don't believe what I say. Don't accept what I say. I've had her whole long conversations about the Bible at work. Guys having a long conversation about the Bible, and I'm sitting over there doing my work, and I'm thinking, why doesn't one of them ask me? I've been a preacher for 30 years, and they know it. You'd think somebody would say, hey, you know anything about the Bible? <laughs> Why won't they do it? Because they don't want to understand. It's not what they want. They want to discuss and give their opinion. And one young lady came in and she said, uh, uh, I used to be a preacher's kid. I got over that. <laughs> I'm a good little Christian girl, can't you tell? And I was kind of... I hope she don't ask me. <clears throat> Knowing that people really don't want truth and don't want to hear it is part of stepping up to be a voice for God. You better get that in your head. Young preachers, I knew a guy who was a pre... I know I got to get going. I can't help it. I knew a guy, he was a preacher. And he took over a church. And he was a very talented young man. And after about a year, he quit. He said, I couldn't make anybody do anything. I preached and they just sit there. I couldn't get them going. So I quit. Well, <clears throat> it sounds like that's what he's saying to Isaiah. Right? I was like, hey, preach until everybody's gone. There'll be nobody. Uh, but it's not quite. Verse 13. But yet in it shall be a tenth. It shall return, shall be eaten as a teal tree, as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. He says, you look at an oak tree and boy, there's a big bunch of leaves and then they're all fall off and say the thing's dead. No it ain't. It's got life in it. 
You'll see it come back. He said, for you, Isaiah, I have reserved 10%. There's going to be 10% who listen to you, 10% who hear what you got to say. And those 10% I'm preserving, and they look... Looks like they're not there, but they're there. There's really life there in that 10%. So you're going to work on that 10%. You're going to instruct them, and they're going to understand, and they're going to believe, and they're going to take what you say and run with it. And boy, was he right, because in our passage this morning, over in John chapter number 12... That's where we were, talking about Jesus and the response to uh, the resurrection. Uh, in our passage, the very thing that Isaiah uh, said is quoted here, uh, they will not believe, in verse 38 of John chapter 12. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who hath believed our report? To whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe again, because Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes, hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, understand with their heart, be converted, that I should heal them. Right from chapter 6, quoted here, in this passage, the very same thing as Isaiah said. And who's he talking about? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people that rejected Jesus. They were not ever going to believe. Never. And we'll go on more after that. But the call to preach to Isaiah was, he said, get used to it. A lot of people aren't going to like what you say. But there are some. And so why are you willing? Because for 10%, I'll do it. For 5%, I'll do it. I suppose for 1%, you couldn't get me to shut my mouth. We want to tell about God. If he says, I'm sending you to speak, and that's a call. It's an unusual one. But Isaiah got the call, and he learned from it. A lot of people won't believe, but there are some that will, and they're worth your time and your effort. You say, it's only 10%. No, 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 don't look at it like that. That 10% will grow and develop and continue and reestablish Israel, and out of that little 10% came who? Jesus, Messiah came out of that 10%. It was well worth it. And so the call to speak given to Isaiah, dirty mouth. Had to realize that first. Clean up his mouth and then go on to speak for God no matter whether anybody believed him or not. Okay, thank you. Thank you.